today. You did not have to be here. You did not have to accept our worship, but you have, and we are so grateful. We thank you for your healing power, your renewing power, your saving grace, your mercy. Oh, God. Father, thank you for protecting and watching over us, our homes, our property, our cars, our, our husbands, our wives, our kids, our Everything that concerns us, you have covered, oh God. Those believers that are traveling, God, folks that are traveling, God, thank you for covering them. Father, let your word be imparted with supernatural impact. Let your word be impacting. Let the word that comes out of my mouth be imparted into your people with supernatural impact in the name of Jesus. Supernatural impact in the name of Jesus. Supernatural impact. Supernatural impact. Start speaking that, everyone, in the, on, in, in the feed. If you're looking at us, I know many hundreds of you are, just start speaking that to yourself. My, the word, I need the word to come into my life with supernatural impart. Impart your word with supernatural impact. 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 Hey, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo! Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Uh, we have been looking at and praying, looking over our congregation for the last year and praying on a leadership level for the, the next group of, of deacons that will be added to the board. And uh, I'm going to mention their names this Sunday. Uh, going to mention them again next sun Sunday and then on the first Sunday in March, uh, the new deacons that are added to the existing board, as uh, some have moved to a different place, transferred, uh, we feel God has given us some of the folks that will be filling the gap. Uh, the first name is uh, Brother uh, Scott uh, Prentice. I saw Scott last, last night, or yes, last night, Saturday night. We prayed together, himself and wife. And uh, he's been with our ministry for many years. Grew up here, his mom, uh, Sister Linda, is our admin administrator. So he's grown up like I have in ministry. Uh, the other would be our brother Derek Jacobs, who is part of our worship team also. Uh, his wife, Angela, uh, is going to be one of our, our ministers on staff coming up there. Consecration is going to be uh, in a month and a half from now or a month from now. And so 
I want you to keep those two names in prayer as these two men of God join the leadership. We are in the next several months uh, starting with some training and some conversation with my mentoring bishop, uh, Bishop Darnell Williams, Dr. Williams, uh, because we are going to be for the, the betterment and the expansion of this ministry as we are poised to really grow uh, very quickly. Uh, we will have a group of ministers on staff. The assigned position will probably be changed to elder. And uh, those who have already been assigned and already training themselves and training in ministry for that assignment. They will come alongside the board, the deacon board. The deacon board will primarily be over all of the uh, physical workings of the church, the facilities, the finances, uh, planning on how we expand. And then the elders will be over the spiritual, more connective aspect of our ministry calling members on behalf of pastor, praying for those who are sick, visiting those who are in hospital, uh, so that we have a broader scope of leadership help and that I am not doing as much as I'm still doing. Please pray that God will lead us as we move from a uh, pastoral to an apostolic style of leadership even while we are still a part of the Assemblies of God organization. I think there is a, a place to marry both of those uh, organizations and the way we do things and so I can't wait to see this in operation. Father, we pray for the first time publicly over uh, the positions of deacon and the two men of God that will be added to the deacon's board. Deacons in prep, Derek Jacobs, and deacon prep, Scott Prentice. Father, as they come in, enlighten them, refurbish, re completely fill their lives with such anointing that they will bring energy and supernatural power and help to the existing board members and board system. We thank you for this. Thank you for their availability in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I said, for the next two Sundays, Next Sunday, I will mention and pray for them again. And then on the first Sunday of March, we will uh, consecrate them. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Okay. Can we just give God a, 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 a high praise? Just, just kind of kind of get yourself. Come on, come on. Give God a high praise. I got word from Raymond that he was going to be coming into town. 
Raymond, wave your hands back there. There he is, he's back there. Uh, Raymond picks us up on Power Up every day, along with his mama here and his dad and his sister, a whole family every day on Power Up. But the, the significant thing about Raymond is that he is normally, he'll be in Maine, he'll be in Massachusetts, he'll be traveling as a trucker, and everywhere he goes, he doesn't forget that he needs devotion time in the morning. And he's up visiting. I want to commend you, Raymond, for your consistency and commitment uh, on Power Up and to this ministry. Giving of your, your time, but also giving of your money. Even when you're not here, I bless you for that. I know God is sending us many, 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 many more that are accountable and love this ministry as much as you do. Welcome home. Hallelujah. We've been speaking, uh, discussing a little bit about living uh, <clears throat> out an aggressive life of humility. And last week, uh, we started off by really looking at the template. What's the template for aggressive humility? Uh, did I see Amber? Is that you? Bless you. I did not know that was you. There's, some, that's a, there's Amber. Sister Amber, it is so good to have you home. Uh, yourself and your husband, uh, it's one of the best marriages that I ever uh, presided over, best weddings, and I still remember that day. I know that you guys are doing well. It is so good to see you home. Uh, if I miss anyone else, any visitor that is here, it's because uh, you guys are in the dim and I'm in the light. And so I can't really see you unless I saw you before service. But uh, we, were, we, we launched this two-part series in uh, aggressive humility. And it would not have been the right way to, to discuss what aggressive humility looked like unless we looked at the life of Jesus. Outside of the life of Jesus, you don't really know what aggressive humility looks like. Why? Because in our flesh, the truth is we are incapable of living out aggressive humility. You got to remember that we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and the person that got us there was a guy called Lucifer that tried to stand against God and lift himself up higher than the Most High, El Elyon, and we have come out of seed of his, his mess. So it's not instinctive for us to be humble. It's instinctive to us, for us to be proud and haughty. That we have to literally do as Paul said and buffet our body into obedience. Beat it into shape. Our example of that, our most vivid and most clear example of aggressive humility, which sounds like an oxymoron, uh, is the life of Jesus. And we read last week uh, from Galatians 4, 3 and 5, uh, that, that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. We, we expanded on what fullness, it sounds like such a generic term, in the fullness of time. But, but what, what was meant by that simple statement what was, was beyond our wildest imagination, that Jesus, being already seated at the right hand of the Father and not knowing 
that the father would say to him, even though I destroyed the world by water the first time things became so depraved that, that I couldn't stand it anymore, this time around, I, I, I'm going to send you. I'm not destroying them. I'm going to send you to pay the ultimate price for their redemption. And it's easy to miss the fact that that decision, very much like the decision of God coming back to earth in the rapture is left only to God the Father. God the Father is deciding of the Godhead. Jesus said, no one knows when, when I'm coming back, but the Father does. I believe that that, that move, that decision to return to earth in redemptive form for humanity at, was as important, is as important as redemption was. And if it was, that was a decision for, the God, for God himself, the Father. But, but when Jesus was given that assignment, the Bible says nothing about questions. He accepted his assignment to come live in the flesh, be in human form, be subjected to every trial and temptation, and not sin, and then be crucified on a cross. And it was only hours before he was put on that cross that his body, on the excruciating pain, not just in the physical, true stress, but in the spiritual, knowing that he was about to receive every ounce of iniquity that mankind had incurred. And he was going to take that to the cross. And it was at that moment that he kneels in Gethsemane and he says, Father, Father, is there another way to do this? The pain, the weight, it's, I've never felt this before. I'm ad-libbing, I'm, I'm just looking and thinking in my, my own human mind what it must have been like as Jesus poured out his agony, emotional, mental, spiritual agony to his father. And then, before his father could answer, he said, nevertheless, don't, don't say a word, Daddy, because I know that you wouldn't ask me to do this unless it was the right thing to do. Nevertheless, it's not my will, Pop. It's your will. It's not, I didn't decide to come and save humanity. You decided that I needed to come and save humanity. I ended last week by saying a couple of things. That the shock ran through heaven as the father was saying to Jesus, instead of annihilating humanity in its sin, I'm sending atonement. Instead of annihilating, I'm atoning. I'm going to send forgiveness through you, son. 
You, my son, will be the sacrifice. Jesus showed internal submission and then external obedience. We talked about that last week. Jesus, in his coming, showed external obedience and internal submission to the Father. In coming, Jesus showed us the example of of walking in authority, but also being under authority. These are not things that, that, that he was just saying we should do. These are things that he was the example of doing. And that if he could do that, if he could be the example of submission and obedience, then we could too. If he could be the example of being under authority while being in authority, then we could be the same way. This morning, I want to go into part two. Living out aggressive humility. Living out aggressive humility. Proverbs 22, 4 says, The reward, and I read this last week, but I'm going to use it as my jump off point again this week. The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord. The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you are facing. It does not matter to me what the facts are saying right now. The truth of the word is, uh, Proverbs 22 And four, 22 and four, the fear of the Lord or the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches. Do I have that right? There you go. The the fear of the Lord, or in this case it says the, the New King James Version, by humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life given. That if you want real wealth in your life, if you want real wealth in your life, if you want to be truly honored by others, if you want life that is not just long, but it is good long life. I said last week, I I don't want to be the 75 or 80-year-old that can't walk around and do nothing. If God decides different, so be it. But my wish is to be in good health to the end. I long for that. And I'm trying my best to do what I can right now that will affect my body in the future. But I would love not just to be a share of God's wealth, economic and otherwise. Not only do I want to, to be, feel honor because I'm giving honor, that, that I know that the reason someone else honors me is because they see me honoring God. The reward for humility and reverence of God is wealth 
is honor from others and life, good life. The humble person thinks honestly about himself. He doesn't lie to himself. I said it last week. We're going to be teaching on this because you got to understand what God is looking for. You have to understand what God is looking for when he's looking for a spirit of humility. The humble person thinks honestly of himself. He doesn't lie to himself. He's never so high, he forgets grace got me here. He's never so high that he forgets God's grace got me here. I said last week, and I'm repeating just a few things. C.S. Lewis said, the great British uh, theologian said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Being someone who, who is more concerned or just as concerned about the needs, about the lack in someone else's life, about praying for others as much as we pray for ourselves. I don't know about you, but just at that point right there, I could stop right there and just work on that for the next 20 years, praying for others as much as I pray for myself. Biblical humility is believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion. What is God saying about you over what other folks think? And that is your own opinion. Because some of us, with our insecurities and brokenness, if God doesn't come in, we think bad about ourselves all the time. I can't do it. I, I've never been trained. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not handsome enough. I haven't been properly trained. I, I don't know the job. I can't learn the job. I mean, we got all kinds of issues going on. But true humility is believing what God said about you, not what you think about yourself or what other people said. If you understand that you are walking the way you walk because of what God thinks about you, then you don't have to be afraid of walking around looking puffed up because God wouldn't let you look puffed up. What will happen is that people will look at you and instead of seeing pride and haughtiness, they will see confidence. And when they inquire about your confidence, you will be able to introduce them to the confidence giver. Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Jehovah Rapha, the healer. El Elyon, the Lord most high. You'll be able to introduce them to the one who has made you walk with your head lifted. David said, he is the, he is the, the lifter up of my head. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, oh stop right there. Uh, he's the lifter up of my head. That, that boy knows he could talk. He could describe some stuff. David said, God is the lifter up of my head. 
You gotta, you gotta, you've got to walk through periods when your head was down, when your life was defeated, when you did not have any hope. To understand, David saying, God is the lifter up of my head. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. It's not just a position. It's not just a process, sorry, it's a position. Humility is not just a process you grow into. If it was that way, they could teach it in school. But this is a position that only God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, can bring you to. It requires embracing who you are in Christ over the person you see in the flesh. I had to put that one in there because quite often when I've looked at myself, I have not been able to see the high quality that God is seeing in me. I see lack. I see inadequacy. And when I get the, the Holy Spirit will come by sometimes in the past. hasn't happened quite recently, but in the past, I'd be there and I literally like feel the Holy Spirit pass by and just slap me behind the neck and say, stop you messing around. Who cares about what you think about you? Stop, stop your, your, your downgrading and talking bad and thinking. No! Get into the Word. Start talking about what God thinks about you. It's the ability to be regularly emptied of yourself, pride, and your self-arrogance. Regularly emptied by self-pride and arrogance. Okay, you need these quotes. Get these quotes. We're studying the word today. Magnan um, McLaughlin said, the proud man can learn humility, but he will be proud of it. The proud man can learn humility, but then he'll be proud of it. And it's, of course, he lost it right there. Pastor Rick Warren said, humility is not denying your strengths. It's being honest about your weaknesses. It's not, it's not, it's not denying your strengths. It's about being honest about your weaknesses. Henry Frederick said, there is no respect for others without humility in oneself. You see anyone, Christian or non-Christian, that is disrespectful of others? A husband that disrespects, uh, I mean, that treats his, treats his wife without love? And a wife that treats her husband without respect? Let me say it again. There is no respect for others without humility in oneself. Let me give you the three points that we're going to dig into. We've got a few minutes. Number one, humility means submission, not subservience. Humility means submission, not subservience. Humility and submission go hand in hand. The word tells us as Christians we are to submit to one another 
in lowliness of mind. Submit to one another in lowliness of mind. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Lowliness of mind. Likewise, and this is uh, in 1 Peter actually it says, talks about young people submit yourself to elders. We don't see much of that today. And that's probably why you're not seeing any humility. Because humility and submission go hand in hand. You can't submit if you're not humble. You can't be humble if you're prideful. They're all together. It's not a look. Somebody mentioned that to me recently. You know, he looks, he looks pastor, he looks really humble. I said, so hold it right there. Hold it right there. Humility is not a look. You don't look humble. You live humble. Look at somebody and tell them that. You don't look humble, you live humble. People know you're humble by living your humility, not by looking humble. I can't tell you how many times I have made that mistake, looking at folks and thinking they're humble until they said something that blew my socks off. I can't tell you the times I looked at somebody and said, well, he, 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 he's definitely humble, until I, I sat down at a table eating dinner with that individual and what came out of their mouth like, oh, Lord Jesus. Because I was looking on the outside and humility is not in a look, it's in a life. You can't take it except by the spirit of discernment which God gives us. You can't just look at somebody across the aisle and think they're humble or they're proud. You've got to literally put in some work. Probably why a lot of Christians aren't being successful with their sharing of their testimony. That's probably the reason why Christianity today is so top-heavy, where there's no deep relationship because nobody wants anybody to find out about the real them Therefore, they don't show, we don't show much interest in finding out the real you, someone else. So you're not really protecting them, you're protecting them from you. That if I don't show myself, if I show, if I'm transparent and and someone else could see the pride stuck deep in my soul, then they will think bad of me. You know what I said? I've come to the place where I'm saying, Lord, if you, got, if you have got to make me embarrassed about who I am and what I've done to get me to the place of humility where I submit to you, do it, Lord. Do it. Do it. The first time I prayed that prayer, God connected me with a, with a client <clears throat> that uh, in the medical field, I had to uh, bathe every day. Never did it in my life. And God said, oh, oh, you, you want to learn how not to be proud? Is that what it, what it is? Okay. And literally, literally, 
I was sleeping and God said, you remember what you asked me last night? And I'm dreaming. This is all in a dream. He said, you can wash some behinds. And of course, I didn't know what that meant. Until about a month and a half later, I was taking care of a patient and literally washing behind. And I wasn't past Andrew then. I couldn't, couldn't identify myself of, as Mr. Burton Ross. You know who I was? The caregiver. You know who I was? The servant. And the first couple of times I did that, my flesh kept kicking in. You know you could do better than this. You ain't got to be clipping nobody's nails. No, you ain't got to be baiting somebody like this. You can find, let somebody else do this. But I got in there one morning about four weeks later, and the Holy Spirit hit me as I was ministering. God is working with me all this time. I'm ministering, cleaning. This is my, this is worship. This is not me doing a job anymore. This is worship. I'm worshiping God by serving him in how I treat this individual. And in, in, in his, in his, his uh, dementia state, he came to, lunacy, uh, to sanity for about, for about two minutes. And in those two minutes, he started crying. And in two minutes, I looked up and I said, what's wrong? And that was the second time this happened to me. He said, You're, you, you feel like an angel touching me. And I knew then, okay, I started crying too. I knew then God was beginning to chip away at every prideful, haughty thing in me and bringing me to a place of servanthood and humility. And he's still getting me there. I started to see this as my reasonable service to God, to, to be literally his vessel, his conduit on this man. Yes, all, all of us need to be submitted one to another. Submission one to another. The Bible speaks about submission one to another. Before a husband, a wife submits to her husband, both have to be submitted to God and then to each other. That the Bible says before it says, wife, submit yourself to your own husband. It says, Christians, submit yourself one to another. And on my Power Up uh, broadcast last week, one of the things that I as God has been just correcting me and changing me and washing me, I, I, I thought of an instance where, where I pushed someone dear to my life. I, I was doing God's work, but pushing them to run in the same way I'm running. Do what I'm doing. And by doing that, I was pushing them out of who they were and trying to push them into who I am. That was not humility. And much even more, that was not submission. That for me in that instant, true submission meant that I submit myself to who they really are. 
Submitting yourself to who somebody really is quite often could be irritating. I want you to see God in Moses' life. When, when God calls Moses, Moses to be his mouthpiece to, to Pharaoh about letting my people go, Moses said, I stammer. I don't know why you would pick me, I stammer. I don't know why you would pick me because I've never had any leadership training. Here is God submitting to who he was in that moment. First of all, empathy, I hear you. I hear you, Moses. I understand what you're trying to say. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you Aaron. I'm going to give you somebody to walk with you. Do you see that? Do you see the spirit there? God Almighty, the ever-powerful Most High God, is going back and forth with Moses, and instead of saying, listen, I made you. You don't tell me what you can do. I know what you can do, and what I say you can do, you can do. I mean, that, that God could say that because it's the truth. But that's not what he said to Moses. He literally submitted himself to what, to what Moses and where Moses was and brought empathetic help. Well, last of you showed empathy to somebody rather than just telling them they need to do that and, well, you need to just do Bringing your own ideas to bear, pressing your own thoughts into their mind. You went where they were and then walked them out together. Humility, humility, humility. But I want you to pump your brakes a little bit there because uh, uh, being submissive and humble does not mean in any way, shape, or form that we are to bow down to other people. Humility is not licking boots. You don't prove you are humble by how much you can lick boots. You don't get points for licking boots. You don't get blessing for licking boots. You're blessed because you submit. It is is so painful to, to have to admit that I have spent time around Christian leaders that as God has elevated them and promoted them, instead of becoming more humble, they were looking for bootlickers. God said, the ones who will be the most exalted in the kingdom will be the ones who could serve the most, not lick boots the most. Paul was very clear when he said that we are to serve God and God alone. 
for you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Pull up 1 Corinthians for me. 1 Corinthians 7, 22 and 23. For he who's called to the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman, that even if you are physically enslaved, you are still representing godly freedom as you interact with other slaves. You might not be physically enslaved today, but there are things that have been fighting you for generations to enslave you. Stuff connected to your grandma, your great-great-grandma, and your great-great-great-grandma. That as you're fighting them and breaking those, those generational yokes and curses, you still have to be an example to others who are fighting the same fight and need a template on how I can break these curses in my life without being belligerent. Likewise, we, he who is called wild free is Christ's slave. Okay, we got that part. That's the, that's the physical part right there. Go to the next one. Says, <clears throat> 23. Can we bring up 23? You were bought at a price. Do not become bootlickers. You are not a good example. And sometimes the adversary will try to tell you true unsafe folk. Or you think you all that. Or you think you, you, you better than us. They use those catch words. Or you think Oh, you think you're, you're a better Christian than me. And the answer is, oh my goodness, I didn't even know you were comparing us because I wasn't. Let them do the comparison. The only one I'm comparing myself to is God. How, do I, how, how am I meshing up to your orders for my life? How am I lining up with your purpose for my life? How am I lining up with your direction for my life? I don't have to listen to the rest of you. What God says about me is what's important. Go over to Galatians 1.10 for me. I hope somebody's getting something from this stuff. I hope as you listen to me on TV, you are getting something from this. Because the, the, our world, Christianity, has become so polluted that we don't even understand how to live this thing right. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek... Uh, to please men, for if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. You know the Bible said you can't serve God and mammon or, or God and money at the same time? 
It's saying the same thing here in a different way. You can't be a bond servant to God and a bootlicker to man at the same time. They don't go together. I'm hoping that I'm making somebody think about this. You can't become a, a, a person walking in humility unless you have a relationship with God. And I'm going to break that down even further a little more. The first one that I said was humility means submission, not, not what? Subservience. Number two, humility does not mean that we are voiceless. If you are a, husband, a wife in a marriage, you are not being humble in your marriage by not having a voice. You are not being submissive by not having a voice. Submission does not mean you don't have a voice. Submission does not mean humility. What did I say? Humility and submission go hand in hand. So as I use submission and humility back and forth, we're talking about the same thing. Humility does not mean that you're voiceless, and humility is not passive. Humility doesn't sit down and just wait to agree with somebody else every time. It's not passive. Godliness requires in us, and you can get this one, this is going to hit somebody hard, gentle and quiet spirit. Go to 1 Peter. Godliness requires in us a gentle and a quiet spirit. It is of the most importance that we are humble and still in our inner man. It is important that we are humble and still calm, peaceful in our inner man. So that we can hear. It's not just being peaceful for peaceful sake. It's not being calm for calm's sake. You cannot hear from God properly. If you're riled up. That is why when you are in a place of confrontation. And an argument. And there's loudness going on. If you are a believer. You need to get to the moment when you check yourself. And you withdraw. If you got to pull away and pull out of that interaction so that you can get yourself in a place where what? God can speak to you. You're going to have a way out. You're going to have a way out. First Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, entangling, uh, arranging of the hair. Wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Okay, yeah, I get that. Okay, let's go to the next one. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the what? Heart. The hidden person of the heart. 
So people don't see it when they look at you on the outside, but if they come in contact, if they interact with you, all of a sudden, the hidden person of the heart starts to come out. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. The incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. A gentle and quiet spirit does not mean that you're, you're voiceless. I've literally been in the presence of people, Christians, men of God, who lend themselves things like women shouldn't do anything in church. Keep your mouth shut. Refer to a passage where Paul was talking about women's behavior in ministry, and they don't have any clue that he was addressing a culture that was already practicing this. So he was telling them, do these things unto God within your culture. Why was he doing that? Because he knew if they pressed into God like they should, that the Holy Spirit would change the man. It was not his job to try and change the culture. It was his job to set up a new culture. So you live the right culture and the old culture will dilute itself and fall in line. You don't try to beat it off the head. Gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. I don't know about you, but I really want to be called precious in the sight of God. But don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Possessing a gentle and quiet spirit does not mean I'm a passive person. Because God also requires zeal and passion. Look at Matthew 12, 11, 12, Matthew 11, 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. That, that here's, here's the interpretation, that as you are being attacked on the outside, you attack on the inside, as you are being attacked by the flesh, by people who are unchanged, by people who are unsanctified, by folks who don't know God, you don't react to that, you attack in the spirit. While they're attacking you in the flesh, while they're attacking you with their culture, you attack in the spirit, prayer. You attack in the spirit, Commanding. You, you attack in the spirit with a gentle and what? Quiet attitude or spirit, sorry. Do you get that this morning? The world wants you to react out here. God, you wants, God wants to react from in here. He wants you and I to be able to break down the forces of the adversary from the inside out. You cannot beat the adversary trying to attack him from the outside in. You have to be a spy. 
You have to, you have to slick in there. Go into places where they don't suspect you to be the powerhouse sniper of God that you are. And you get hired, you're quiet, you don't look like you talk much, but they don't understand. You are not passive. You just got a gentle and quiet spirit, but you are a powerhouse for God. And when you come in that office, before everybody else gets there, and you sit in your cubicle, and you start calling down the host of heaven. You start commanding the authority of the Holy Spirit. You start to bring the forces of God from the unseen into the scene. It will change the office and they don't even know. How come? It's because while they're coming this way in the, in the physical, you're coming this way out of the spiritual. Uppercut, uppercut, uppercut uppercut, straight right, uppercut, and they don't even know. They're getting hit in the spirit, and they don't, what's hitting me? Why am I behaving this way? Because I'm hitting you with the glory of God. The last one, four minutes after 12, we got one more, one more. Humility does not mean we dumb down. Humility does not mean you dumb down your talents and your capabilities. I'm hoping folks get taking this stuff and writing it down. Because somebody's gonna is gonna come at they're gonna come at you because you heard the message. Now that you heard the message, they're gonna come at you. And they will tell you. I don't know who you think you are, but I can tell you right now, you ain't humble. When that happens, you need to have something for them. You better have a word. You better have a word. To have a humble mindset is to think soberly about oneself. To have a humble mindset is to think soberly about yourself. Meaning, we don't boast of our own accomplishments and abilities. Rather, we acknowledge that our sufficiency comes from God. When the unsafe folk win the boxing match and say, give an honor to God, God don't, it don't mean nothing to God because it's not from their heart. When the person that is receiving the Grammy Award was just cussing what, before they got on stage, or just slept with somebody else's wife or husband that afternoon before they got on the Grammy stage. And now they got on the Grammy stage and they receive it and say, give it honor to God. You think God is impressed with that? Man looks on the outside. Man admires the outside. Man says you're humble by looking at you on the outside. But God sits back and he says, what's your heart saying? What's the 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 heart saying? Giving honor to God. and my We do it in church too. Giving honor to God and giving honor to so and so and so. And so like 15 people to give honor to. 
the head of my life, and blah, blah, blah. That's dealing with somebody who, who said that at one service, and then invite them to preach, and they want to take up their own offering. You know, they don't want uh, you to bless them from the congregation. They want to talk to the congregation directly. Said, no, that's, that's not how we do it, right? You know, that's, it's not even biblical. So, you know, we ain't going to do that. And boy, they flip like that. A week ago, I heard you giving honor to God and your grandma and everybody in the world for the wonderful person that you are. And this week, you over here trying to cuss me out. Something's wrong with your, with your humility, brother. I'm going to end with Romans, Romans 12 and 3. Is everybody getting something here? For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. 2 Corinthians 3 and 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Got another quote for you. If anyone tells you that a certain person speaks ill of you or spoke ill of you, do not make excuses about what is said, if it's true. Just answer. So-and-so is ignorant of my faults or else he would have mentioned all the others. Don't get mad when people talk something about you. If it's not the truth, don't even respond. But if it's the truth, say, you know what? You missed something. Tell them you missed something. And if you're going to talk about me, get, get, get all. Before my dad passed, he said something to me that I'd like to pass on to you all as we close. He said, son, news is only news one time, Fred. News is only news one time. Like what I tell you today, I can't come back to you tomorrow like, Fred, I got something to tell you. But you told me that yesterday. It's not news anymore. Some of us have been living in shame and guilt. And it don't make any sense that you, you would not allow anybody to bring news from last year and feed it to you as if it were news from yesterday or today. Why then, why then would you allow the adversary, Amber, tell me, why would anybody allow the adversary to feed them the same news that was, about, that was true about you a year ago 15 years ago, it is not true anymore about you, but you're still walking in the guilt and shame of that. It is not news anymore. 
I don't care how the devil dresses it up. I don't care if he gets another person to say it. It's still not news no more. It's not news anymore. Don't let the adversary make you feel so bad that you are forgetting that humility comes from God. And if you could just submit yourself to God, whatever the devil used to call news, it's been... You're listening to me online and you need to know God in a better way. You need to find out that our God died for your sin, that he loves you with an everlasting love, that before you even were born, he had already identified you as a person that he would like to use for his kingdom. You bow your heads with me and just let's, 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 let's do what we always do. Ask God to wash us. Ask God, consecrate yourself this morning, consecrate. Take a moment, take a moment, consecrate yourself. Father, wash me, wash me, wash me, wash me, wash me. Anything in me, anything in me, anything in me that makes me puffed up in myself, anything in me that causes me to think of myself more highly than I should, Father, right now, I'm presenting it, I'm presenting it. Some of the stuff that needs to come out, I don't even know, but you know. So, so uh, here's the knife, Lord. Here's, woo, I don't want to do, oh, my flesh, don't want to do this. But here's the knife, you go ahead, you cut, cut, you cut, Lord, you cut. Whatever you want to cut out, you cut, you cut. You cut it out, you cut it out. You don't like it, cut it out. You don't want it, take it away, because I'm going to be more like you. I'm going to be more like you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm going to be more like you. If it lifts the governor, I'm going to be more like you. I'm going to be more like you, Father. Would you all stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Woo. I just want to say thank you, Lord. Would you just hum that with me, sing it with me as we close? Come on. You, Lord. Yeah. I just When you sing it, you're telling him, you're telling him thank you for everything he's done, for bringing you out of your mess, for washing you with his blood. Hey. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. If you're here this morning and you've committed your life to Jesus, you've asked him to forgive you. You're online and you've asked him into your life as we've offered him to you. Please make contact with us. We want to follow up. We want to keep you in prayer. We want to connect with you. If you're here today, you've been here before and you know this is the place where God wants you to grow. You know you need to be here. 
don't leave without getting us your information. We had a uh, class orientation class scheduled today. Uh, some people that should have been here weren't able to be here. And I think the next class, they've all been connected to go to. Sign up for that class. We want you to, to be here. We want, we want you to see where, where our mission, what our mission is. We want you to see the vision that God has given us for this ministry. We want you to see our, our values, our core values, and be able to commit to that and run with us. We invite you to be a part of this tribe at the assembly. Come in, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have looked beyond our scars. You've looked beyond our faults. You've looked beyond our mess-ups. And you see our need. You see our need. You saw our need. You're seeing our need. And you're applying grace and mercy. Your grace and mercy has brought me through. I'm living this moment because of you. I want to thank and praise you, Lord. Your grace and mercy has brought me through. Woo! Hey, 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 hey. Father, as we leave this place, we're not leaving your presence. We're just leaving the physical connection, but the spirit is still tight as ever. Those who are not here today, couldn't be here, let that anointing extend to their lives, wherever they are, and bring them peace. We give you glory and honor for this time, in Jesus' name. Let the grace of God, the sweet presence of the Savior, the loving kindness of the Father himself reign and abide in your life. Thank you for joining us for this service at the assembly. We hope that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with God. If you responded to the message, will you take just a few moments to fill out a response card in the chat? so that we can celebrate with you. If you would like to give to what God is doing through the assembly, you can do so in three ways. First, you can give online at theassemblyflorence.org. If you're on a desktop, click the Give Now button in the top right-hand corner. If you're on a smartphone or a tablet, click on the plus button in the top right-hand corner and then the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform where you can then set up a one-time gift or a recurring gift and even designate the fund that you would like your giving to go to. You can also give by sending a text message to the phone number 833-729-2238 with a message that says SC Assembly Give all one word together. You'll then receive a text message with instructions on how to move forward. You can also mail check or money order written out to the assembly to the assembly 2925 West Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina 29501. 
thank you and have a great week. Make sure you check us out for Power Up with Pastor Andrew on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 6.30 a.m. And times of refreshing at the assembly on Wednesday at 7 p.m. God bless, and we'll see you next time here at the assembly.